Welcome to the ICTA podcast, where we think together about unity and solidarity, or ICTA, on campus. In the ICTA podcast, we take time out to listen to students as they share their stories about what has made them feel powerful and powerless in their university journeys, and to hear their thoughts on practical steps that we can take to create more inclusive spaces at UFE. Let's learn differently together. ICTA. Welcome to ICTA, a podcast about creating unity by understanding different learning experiences here at the University of the Fraser Valley. I am very grateful uh, to be here today at CIVL Studios, um, located on the uh, territory of the Stalo peoples. And I don't know if you heard them, but the frogs were singing on the way in. Uh, so I really felt connected to the land today. Um, it was amazing. They were chirping and singing away, and I just thought spring is coming. I'm feeling so good right now. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And I do encourage all listeners today to just take a moment and reflect on the lands that they're on and their relationships to those lands. Um, Indigenous people have an intrinsic relationship to the land. And as we're looking, you know, for pathways towards reconciliation, I think that thinking about those uh, relationships that we have and how the land has been cared for um, and how it cares for us is really important. So I'm super excited to be here with two wonderful people, Nikhil Lal and Claudia Deboyne. And both Claudia and Nikhil are in their final year studying kinesiology. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're occupying some key roles in the Student Union Society. So Nikhil, I think you're the president. Yeah, that's right. And you are the vice president of student engagement. Is that right, Claudia? Yeah, uh, the title is vice president of students, but... You pretty much got it on the dot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. So welcome. And I think today what we're going to talk about is uh, your experience in the Student Union Society, how it supports students, but we're also going to be talking a little bit about what it means to be doing advocacy work and how that's changed your lives, as well as I think mental health and identity, because I think that's pretty important to both of you um, from our conversations. So I'm super interested in hearing what you have to say. Uh, but before we get started, let's hear a little bit about you and who you are. So it would be great to start with you, Nikhil. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, so um, uh, like you mentioned, my name is Nikhil Lal, and I'm the uh, president of the Student Union Society here at UFE. Um, my student governance experience started uh, four years ago at Douglas College, um, where I was on their student union and board of governors, and then I transferred to UFE and uh was the president for the last two years. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about you, uh, Claudia? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm finishing up my fifth year right now in the KIN program. Um, I, ha I started as a vice president student for the Student Union Society um, last year, so I've only done one term. It's coming, up, coming to an end right now, but um, that's been my experience with student governance <laughs> just the one year but it was really awesome it was a great experience and I can really say that I learned so 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 much about so many different things um yeah I I am also from Calgary so I came to UFE um to play varsity soccer for the women's soccer program um so that's also been like super different moving to a new place and just like trying to figure out how to be your own person all of a sudden in a different city and do that and go to university and get an education at the same time. So, um, yeah, I started doing that my first three years and then I quit because I wanted to 
pursue more things that would make me happier and I came across this awesome position through my friend Nikhil here um great connection kind of to it and he really motivated me to try something new so that was really awesome there must be something in the water over there in kinesiology (laughs) it's uh, producing all these advocates for for students Uh, that's really great and I think that's a great reminder to us too that you know it's not just because students are domestic students that they're not from far away and experiencing um, some of that adjustment, right? So domestic doesn't mean local. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's a, an important reminder for all of us here at the University of the Fraser Valley. So thanks for bringing that up. So for our listeners who may not know, um, I think that all universities, or at least most, uh, have student unions. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and so you are paid and elected officials. Yep. Yeah. And so in the case of UFE, if I'm understanding, there's four executives serving in paid positions. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and the SAS is funded through levies on student fees. Is that right, for the most part? Uh, yes, and then also through um, um, the businesses in the, in the sub as well, such as uh, fairgrounds and streets. Awesome. So could you maybe tell us a little bit about the kinds of projects that uh, the student union works on? Yeah, so um, I guess I'll, I'll start off here and then pass it over to Claudia. So we focus on all the student engagements, student events, um, services, advocacy, and campus life. So, for example, our health and dental plan, our campus shuttle, all those kinds of services are provided through us. And we work with uh, municipal partners and the university to ensure that students are able to have adequate uh, transportation to and from school and um, are able to kind of have um, a very positive post-secondary experience while also um, being able to have the basic necessities to um, get by at school, which is um, very important uh, for us and and providing that to students. Um, You know, we've had a lot of big events um, over the last couple, well, throughout the duration, but uh, in these last couple years, we've really hit a big boom with um, coming back from COVID and um, having a lot of success with engagement on campus, bringing uh, the community together and uh, striking that engagement um, to ensure that students' uh, post-secondary experience is enhanced in all pillars. Well, yeah, I can imagine that managing that through COVID must have been really tricky. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, uh, obviously, the the big floods that we had um, Mm -hmm. um, that really affected the Fraser Valley was uh, definitely a a big uh, situation that we had to... uh, deal with and pivot as well thanks claudio do you have uh, some programs that you want to talk about or share about yeah sure um i i guess in my role specifically i focus a lot on like uh student engagement and just like community engagement so um that's mainly consisted of like events and even like services and programs that we have so for example um there's the ufe sus food bank so a program that i've really taken on to i guess to put in a lot of effort in this year has been the student breakfast program that we've incorporated on the Abbotsford campus and the Chilliwack campus. Um, so that's something we actually piloted at the beginning of um, September. We were kind of planning for it in the summer and then piloted it in September, first in Abbotsford. And then we expanded to Chilliwack um, towards, I think, mid-October. Um, but it's been so positive and so, I guess, like impactful, I think, for students um, we've been getting more than 100 students every week across both campuses, and that's obviously so beneficial because we're really um, working to, I guess, like target food insecurity, right? So 
like getting something as small as like breakfast in the morning for students is like something we can do and I think that's so powerful. Claudia it's funny that we're talking about the breakfast program and I think Aaron asked you what you had for breakfast yeah. this morning didn't you and you just said you didn't have breakfast I didn't but that's just because I have a uh, lack of timing I guess and also I don't really get hungry in the morning sometimes but hey you know what when I do um do the breakfast pro- programs in the morning I've been able to you know supply myself with some of the snacks we got going on so that's been like a win-win for me you know yeah that for sure and I think um <clears throat> on a more serious note, I, I do think it's important to highlight, you know, food insecurity for students. I, it's, um, it's really on the rise. And I know that food banks in general and universities are absolutely over overused and overextended. Um, and that it's on the rise. And particularly for international students, it's really on the rise um, due to inflation and other, mm-hmm. other financial pressures. So really good to raise awareness of that. Um, it's not only students that you know have the means to pay for everything that are here at our universities, mm-hmm. and and I think it's so great that you're coming up with innovative ways to support them. So thank you, thank you for your work in that. And uh, what other big wins did you have this year, uh, Nikhil? Um, to really um, actually um, add on to the um, food insecurity. Um, we ran a referendum um, alongside the elections to uh, introduce a $2 uh, food bank fee, which um, which passed. And, um, you know, that's also like a really big thing that will really support uh, food insecurity and um, tackling the problem. Um, you know, during my time when I when I first came two years ago, um, food insecurity was highlighted as, you know, a, a big problem. And it was something that I, I did a lot of research on on ways we can um tackle the issue and uh, better fund it better support it um and top of on top of the things that we were already doing to provide those resources um we thought the uh two dollar levy would really support um the continuation of the the food bank and really support something that um all students can access and it goes beyond just food it's um also hygienic products as well and um it really just again really supports student health and um allowing them to feel successful. Another um, kind of big win and legacy I'm leaving behind is is kickback, um, something I'm extremely proud of and um, was something that I really wanted to ensure that um, I was um, doing my part to increase campus engagement in a way that really developed community and uh, brought everyone together at UFE. And, you know, what, when we saw it in the first year, we, we had a thousand students and then this last year, we had over 2,000 students show up, and you know I'm only expecting uh, bigger and better things for uh, the years to come with this event. And you know I'm just really proud that it's become something annual. And a lot of the other events that we've we've had um, over the years have become kind of grandfathered in in a way where it's um, going to be continued. So we're going to see a lot more success, um, um, not only for the Student Union Society, but for the overall community and what students can do speaking on that as well we um, um, did an ordinary resolution that uh, moved three hundred thousand dollars of our health and dental surplus into a clubs and association uh, our clubs and association account which is really going to allow for student empowerment and allow for clubs and associations to really grow their their clubs but also um, allow for students to feel empowered and make um, events that they want to see as well and just really um, continue to grow our community here on campus. That's awesome. So for listeners that might not know, Kickback is a big event here at, at UFE, almost like a, a big social event to get everybody back into the into the fold to learn a little bit about what's offered here, the different kinds of student engagement that are possible. 
Um, and I also know that you've provided a lot of support now for students to start their own clubs and associations, mm-hmm. including, you know, support for marketing and online event planning mm-hmm. and and some funds for them to do that as well. So just, you know, making sure that students can do what they want to do, mm-hmm. um, which is really exciting. Yeah, no, it's it's really awesome. And I'm really proud to see where where we've where we've come and how how far we've we've come with that uh, with that growth and um, how far it's going to continue to go, because you know, we really want uh, the post-secondary experience for all students to be enhanced. And not even that, you know, people come here to find themselves, right? Something I truly believe and I, I always preach is, you know, you come to post-secondary for two degrees. One you get inside the classroom and the one you get outside of the classroom. And that one is the character you develop and the person you become that you want to become. Um, and that's found outside of the classroom. So through getting involved, being a part of big change and just really utilizing all the resources on campus is really going to help you develop that character and achieve that uh, that second degree I'm talking about. <laughs> and I really think that um, with everything that we, we have provided and the universities provided and the continuation of what's to come and all those pieces um, really allow students to be set up for success to really find themselves and get what they want to get out of their experience. Well, I think we're going to get a little bit more personal now with that second degree. <laughs> we're going to be asking a bit about that. Um, so I know that a big piece of being involved in, in SUS has been around advocacy and, and that both of you are really passionate about advocacy work um, and that you have to advocate for sometimes difficult situations that students are in and that you've all you've both been through your own journeys as well and and Claudia you've shared that a big reason you ran was around um, mental health and and the concerns that you have around that and I know having done a little bit of research I I did discover that mental health crises are massively on the rise in Mm -hmm. Canadian post-secondary there was a survey done that said that actually three quarters of students in I think it was 21 to, to 22 that year they reported some sort of negative mental health situation and a quarter of them actually, you know, reported overall poor mental health. So this is something that's been on the rise. It's, it's a huge challenge. And and right now it's kind of happening in the, in the hallway conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you want to kind of bring that to the forefront. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to maybe share a little bit about your own stories as well and, and thinking later how we're going to maybe make um, you know, feel more inclusive around that. Um, I'll ask you the question I ask everybody, and that's, you know, thinking back now on your own journeys, uh, nearing graduation, what has made you feel powerful and what has made you feel powerless? And this time we'll start with you, sure. Claudia. Um, yeah, I'll start with, I guess, the powerless one so we can move on to the powerful and kind of end on a good note. But um, I think in terms of speaking on mental health, my biggest, one of my biggest challenges was just not knowing where to go. And that was one of my um, one of my goals, I guess, going into this role was helping people know where to go, helping people know what um, what resources they have on campus, what resources they can have off campus, and just like fostering like a safe space where you can talk about it openly. It doesn't have to be this taboo thing because honestly, it happens to everybody. Like it, it's it's so underemphasized like at literally everybody is going through something and you never know about it obviously because no one talks about it no one feels like it's okay to talk about right but yeah I guess yeah for my for myself I started having a really hard time honestly like in my first year I just um I was playing as an athlete and um on the soccer team and 
Um, I wasn't necessarily like the best on the team, which is obviously fine. No problems with that. But um, like moving to a new place and um, being on a new team, which is obviously like a completely new environment, is just something that maybe it was a change that I wasn't really expecting and I didn't really know how to handle or how to navigate it. And I didn't even know that I didn't even know that, you know, like I... Um, I was on this team and I just thought like, you know what, this is going to be like every other team I've been on. It's going to be so great. It's going to be like family, like a group of girls. Um, but you know, like a lot of the time, like as that first year that wasn't really getting that much playing time, like that was something that I was really like expecting. It was something I was okay with it, but I wasn't expecting it. And then that kind of, um, I guess like dragged on into my second year as well, where I didn't really play much and it started really getting to me like mentally. I'm like, okay, like what's going on? I'm not good enough. Like what's going on? And it kind of just, it started really taking a mental toll on me because I didn't know what the problem was. I didn't know if it was me or like, or what, or if it was a coach or what. Um, But I'm, I was kind of starting to think about or now anyways, I can think about, okay, well, I think the support that I needed just wasn't there for me. And it wasn't something that was being offered. Like, there was sports, like, psychologists that we, I guess, like, had access to. But that wasn't really always enough. I don't think I needed help on my sports performance. It was more so I needed, like, counseling help. I needed help to deal with these emotions that I was feeling inside. And, and again, like, moving to a new place... I didn't know where to go at all because I didn't really know how things worked here. Um, I didn't have that like family to fall back on here. And I was kind of living um, in dorms alone in these like small little um, rooms. And I, I just felt so isolated, honestly. Um, so that's kind of where that started. And then I ended up um, leaving the team just because I felt like, again, it wasn't really helping my mental health at all. Um, and I kind of just took that year to, I guess, find out more about who I am, trying to develop that second degree that Nikki was talking about. Yeah, it, it didn't do great. I didn't do great at it, <laughs> kind of, at first, because I think I took, like, quitting the team as, like, an, an opportunity for me to do even more and put more on my plate. So then I it turned into this whole burnout situation, which is also something that people don't talk about with mental health either. Like, that's the first time that I fully understood what burnout was. And burnout isn't something that just happens to you mentally. It really does have a physical toll on you. And um, I think I needed to try and like meet these expectations of life as a university student where I'm supposed to be having a social life, a work life, school life, doing all these things at once. But then I ended up not having time for myself at all and it was like getting really hard to take care of myself and all this stuff kind of came crumbling down again I didn't know where to go when I was facing this and I ended up started having starting to have really big problems with school um I couldn't keep up with my classes and it was super super intimidating to just think about sending an email being like hey I can't do this right now like I, I'm I'm sorry if this is like inconvenient for you, but like I honestly don't have the energy. I don't have the focus to be completing things at the best of my abilities, and that's also something that like I can't. I, I don't feel good about doing completing something with not my best effort, you know. So yeah, it was so challenging, kind of going through that. Um, so I I did reach out to counseling services here at the school. 
Um, and that was the start of something good, something great, actually. I also was, I, re- I reached out to one of my professors that I kind of felt more comfortable with, um, kind of had the, the spectrum as well. I had a professor who wasn't so great and honestly, like, turned into a bit of a nightmare situation for me, kind of going into, I guess, experiencing this expression of, um, like, mental health struggle. So I, I had one side where the professor was super understanding, and I had one side where the professor really wasn't. So it kind of, like, continued the fear that I had in expressing these mental health struggles. Like, I'm like, okay, it's so tough because, like, I had a good experience, but I didn't, so I still don't know if this is okay to talk about. And, yeah, that was my, definitely an experience where I felt really powerless. Like, yeah it's a professor, right? Like, that's the person who is um, marking, like, your, your stuff. Like, they're giving you the grade. There's nothing much you can do about that, and that's how it felt. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Claudia. I think it's so important to remember that when you're really in that crisis piece and you're in that mode, that, that just even sending that email is so important. Mm-hmm. So I know many instructors say, you know, if you need help, reach out. If you're having a challenge, reach out ahead of time. If you need an extension... But when we really get to that that massive crisis point, then that's actually that's actually too difficult to mm-hmm. do. Um, and so it's a good reminder to us to to keep that in the forefront of our minds that that sometimes that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. So um, when we talk about advice, I'll be interested to hear, you know, what was it that 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 supportive instructor did that made you feel like you could go talk to them? Totally. Um, because I think that's what we would like to know. How do we create those safe and inclusive spaces? Mm-hmm. But let's talk about what made you feel powerful. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah, honestly, I think it was like, I think I've had a lot of classes. I, I felt I felt really powerful in some of my classes. I'll start there. Um, I felt so powerful in some of my classes where there's open discussion, where people can like freely talk about their ideas. And it's like, it's just like real, almost like, like, I can hear real perspectives, real thoughts from my classmates, and it's, like, it's it's such an open space for that, you know? Um, I'm thinking back to, like, my, like, ethics classes and my sports counseling classes, even my, like, soci- sociology classes. Like, having the space and, like, the opportunity to, like, hear other people and talk about their experiences and their perspectives, I think that's so just such an amazing opportunity to just learn that's that for me anyways that's how I learned so much like I I learned through experience and through storytelling and I think it's like so valuable to have access to I think that's um some advice I guess as well that I could give is just like opening that floor up and making everybody feel super safe in class to just like talk about their experiences um I've definitely had those experiences as well in class where there's like only one person talking or there's like a select number of students talking all the time and I've also felt very intimidated to speak up or give my opinion because it's like okay I don't want these people to judge me you know it's 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 a little intimidating it's like I they they sound so smart and and like they know like what they're talking about and I don't always feel so confident in what I have to say so it's like I'd rather just not talk than feel like what I'm doing is wrong right mm-hmm. um but yeah I don't know I think having those open spaces for conversation and dialogue is so important and 
it can really help students that might not have a lot to say sometimes, like, feel like they can say something if they wanted to as well. Yeah, and I, I actually have this conversation all the time with faculty about how, how we create spaces where everyone feels like they can speak up. And it's it's not easy to do, mm-hmm. um, but processing time is always my number one tip mm-hmm. on that. So to provide, you know, a minute or two for people to think about what they want to say before inviting everyone to speak. Yeah. Um, and, and that really makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, but first, we have to have an open space where yeah. the questions are good and there are actually valid different mm-hmm. perspectives. And, and I think that um, that's a really important point that you yeah. bring up as well. Yeah, um, and just to add as well about the professor that did make me feel safe and like I could just like say something. Um, he was so welcoming. Like. It wasn't like, okay, how much time do you need as an extension? It was like, okay, what's going on? Like, how can I help you through this? It's like, it's literally like, what can I do so that you are like put into the situation where you can complete everything or or where you can just like be doing better? It, it wasn't like, okay, this is all about getting the assignment done. It, w- it was about how can I help you as a person, like improve your state. That was just... It just, it made, it made, like, it made the relationship feel kind of real. Like, it wasn't just, like, I was emailing someone being, like, and expecting, like, yes or no. It was, it felt like this person was kind of trying to understand me and to understand what I had going on. Yeah, it just felt real, I think, is the best way to put it. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you saying that. And it sounds like this instructor really uh, treated you as a, as a human first, totally. right? And with dignity and mm-hmm. as a human that was trying trying your best and yeah. trying to learn and, and that you felt that. And, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that you had that experience. Thank you. There yeah. was someone there for that you. That was great. <laughs> so we'll move on to you, Nikhil. Tell us. Powerful <laughs> and powerless. <laughs> so for me, I think um, the the word powerful and powerless um, go hand in hand for me. You know, I believe that in the powerless moments, you find empowerment to have those powerful moments. So for me, like when I have those uh, powerless moments, that's when I find that's when I feel like I'm struggling with work life balance. Um, you know, I'm I'm not doing as good academically as I'd like, um, you know, feelings of being overwhelmed or, you know, when sometimes when something's not going right or you're, you know, working on we're working through a problem with uh, a group of people, you know, when you have that one negative person, that negative voice tends to, you know, shine, shine brighter than the positive voices. So, you know, in those moments, um, I do feel a sense of uh, power, powerlessness, if that's a word. Um <laughs> But I, I think that the big thing in those those moments is um, there's a lot to learn. Like, I think in those moments of feeling powerless, there is a lot of opportunity for growth and understanding of why why I'm in that position. So, for example, when I'm really struggling with uh, work life balance, um, that usually stems from, you know, my duties as presidents, uh, balancing my duties as presidents uh, and working through assignments or prepping for a midterm and you know usually you know one has to give and that's where I find uh, or found at least my biggest struggle you know for example if I didn't do good as on a, on a test as much as I wanted to or if you know like Claudia's mentioning you know I just don't have the energy 
um, or ability to actually get an assignment in on time, um, it's really it felt it feels really defeating because you know I'm like I know I'm working as hard as I can and I'm trying my best, but you know the for example the prof might might not see it like that but at the end of the day it comes down to the communication right like i had a very similar positive experience as claudia and the prof was very understanding and um they really cared more about the process of me getting through the assignment opposed to meeting the deadline like he really cared about me completing the assignment and how i do it in a way that'll actually help me learn and facilitate growth, which really um, helped me actually be a lot more successful. And it has actually something that has carried over for me to learn how to balance both of those things, because now I try to only take on as much as I can. I mean, I know you're always supposed to do that, but it's very easy um, when you have uh, a lot of drive and ambition to kind of take on more than you can handle, um, which I constantly uh, find myself doing. Um, which, you know, at times, um, (laughs) isn't, isn't the healthiest practice. However, you know, you learn a lot from that because there's a lot of moments that I've had where I've, I've had those powerless moments where I'm like, what am I doing? Um, and that negative voice is getting to me. However, in that there's a lot of beauty that has come with that. And I've really learned how to find those powerful moments to really grow, um, find empowerment be inspired and really shift that powerless moment into a learning opportunity that has allowed me to have more powerful moments. And segueing on to my powerful moments is when I'm able to hit those goals that I've set for myself, um, do good on a test, you know, um, fulfill my duties as president. Um, And just knowing that I'm making a difference in someone's life and also my own life, knowing that I'm just absolutely doing the best I can to meet those goals and really just make a difference, not only for myself, but uh, the student body as well. <laughs> well, you, you really struck a chord with me with the overcommitting, I tell you, uh, this podcast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I feel like I feel like that's a that's a big thing for a lot of people. Like, you know, you kind of bite more than you can chew a lot of the time. But, you know, that's also, I think, the beauty of just humanity in general is the there's the drive, the determination to just do more. And I think that, you know, it's it, it has allowed us to be extremely successful and kind of uh, move forward in a way that, um, you know, we're able to have these conversations, we're able to do more, and we're able to just help one another. Yeah, and, the, you know, do more and help each other, I think, you know, that's a theme that keeps coming back through this podcast is the powerful moments are moments where people feel they make a difference, where they contribute, um, where they, they affect change, positive change that helps others in our community. And, and I think that that's a lesson for us um, and a lesson for, you know, educators as well, that meaningful projects um, where students really can engage with community and make a difference um, are, are projects that students want to engage in really wholeheartedly. And I, I, I take that away as as learning for myself from what you've what you've said and what you've shared today. I, I really I do appreciate that. 
Um, and speaking of, you know, advice that we can take, I think we'll just uh, shortly and briefly, because we've already actually talked a lot about different advice, <laughs> um, which is amazing. And uh, maybe I'll just mention a book by um, Lisa Noon that came out this last year, and it's 33 Strategies for Supporting Students. And actually, a lot of them involve faculty sharing um, their own experiences of failure, their own experiences mm-hmm. of um, not being successful, of having a hard time. Um, just so that students do understand that, you know, it, it's okay sometimes mm-hmm. um, to, to stumble and it's, it's okay if you don't get it right every time and it's pretty, pretty normal and actually part of our learning experience and mm-hmm. we can still go so far. And clearly both you two have gone so far um, being in the positions that you are and doing the incredible things that you're doing. Um, so I'll just, I'll do one more round of advice. If you have advice for faculty or staff for creating more inclusive spaces at UFB, please. Yeah. Okay. I guess uh, I guess I'll start this one off. I think I think it's just really important to remember that uh, the student demographic is constantly changing. Um, I think we are in a time that is where we're in a time where change is constantly happening. Happening. You know, like for example, the pandemic, the floods, both great example of things that happened unexpectedly. Right. There are things that we just couldn't take into account. Um, and didn't know what was going to happen, right? Similarly with um, our student demographic, you know, whether that's domestic or international, every year you're going to have turnover with the different students that come in. So, you know, being mindful with what what um, those students are looking for um, with higher education is really important because, you know, what one student wants with higher education is going to look a lot different from the next student. And, you know, that's okay. That's perfectly okay. And I think that's what's beautiful about post-secondary and the world we live in is that we are able to make so much change and so much difference and um, you know the reasoning why people come to post-secondary and want to achieve higher education is because we all have such broad and different um, dreams ambitions goals so I think that you know to really help support a student in finding um, what that means for them and achieving their goals is through supporting them through their experience, understanding that, you know, what worked years ago might not work now, right? And trying to find that middle ground and balance of your teaching style versus what the student is, what the student's outcomes are is is really important with um, with uh, facilitating their growth. And I think that's that's really the best ways. It all comes down to communication at the end of the day, you know, majority of problems are because of communication and I think um, you know once you once you kind of cut out that barrier and you really strive to to understand what's going to work for you and uh, um, each student really allows um, for not only the students growth not only for the profs growth but honestly the growth of society as a whole because you know it's 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 a way for everyone to find themselves and allow them to thrive exactly how they want to do it and in a Mm -hmm. way that only keeps pushing us forward. Yeah, thank you. And the point about demographics is a point well taken. I mean, not only do we have so many more international students, but um, the domestic students that are coming in are also different. Um, If we look at the K to 12 curriculum, you know, there was a huge shift in that in the last 10 years. So between 2016 and 2019 is when the new curriculum was fully implemented. So we have students coming through that had drastically, drastically different learning experiences now from the experiences of the faculty that are here that are teaching. And so thinking about, you know, what their their learning habits are like, what they're expecting 
expectations are um, is going to be quite different. And so it's it's no wonder that we're really seeing that shift right now um, happening and maybe that disconnect between faculty and, and students. So thank you for, for bringing that up. And I had this great idea this morning. I was sitting there not eating my breakfast and oh. drinking my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if at the beginning of a class, students created an emergency response plan for their own learning where they thought, you know, what would happen if I had a crisis or if something happened to me this semester and I couldn't do something? What should I do? Um, How amazing would it be to have something like that that was agreed on before the crisis happened? I just thought I'd share that here um, since I had that brainwave. It was um, (laughs) coffee-fueled mania this morning, I think. Um, So (laughs) there you go. But Claudia, I'll I'll pass it over to you. Yeah. um, In terms of advice, I think I'm thinking more so in the classroom where students can have that flexibility and safe space for assignments and um, I guess just, yeah, classroom things. Um, but yeah, I think the flexibility in space is so important because students will feel more confident going into their classes that they're like, okay, if I can't get this done this date, there is a bla- there's a backup plan. It's not going to be the end of the world. I'm not going to lose 10% per day. It's late just because I had something in my life happen to me. Like, we don't know what students are doing, especially th- these days, like with the international students, we don't know how many hours outside of their classes they're spending at work. We don't know how much of that time is being taken away from school for transportation. Like a lot, of, I, I, that's something I honestly don't really think about myself because I'm lucky enough to have a car. Like just, I, I just think about sometimes like how how much time it would take me to get to school having to take the bus or or if people are, like, running late, they'll pro- have to pay for Ubers and things like that. Like, that adds up at the end of the day, and it's it's not super accessible for everybody all the time. Um, so, yeah, I think just providing flexibility, just, like, honestly how you're saying, like, having a backup plan, an emergency crisis plan or something for students um, that's established at the beginning. So, like, when they're being introduced to the class, it, it's so important because... Again, like it, I think it will definitely make an impact in the students' confidence in that class, but also in their relationship for um, the coming semester with their professor. I, I think that will really kind of set the standard of who they're being taught by. They, they'll know, okay, this person is very helpful and, and is here for me in my learning. I think that will honestly foster space for more learning, right? Like, they're going to feel confident about their learning. That that obviously is going to um, enhance whatever experience they have in that class. Claudia, thank you. Flexibility and relationships, you know, those are those are just really great takeaways. And I think that both your stories, they really highlight how many commitments students are juggling these days and how just a little grace can go, you know, a really long way. So Nikhil and Claudia, again, thank you for sharing your experiences and ideas today and just for teaching us a bit about what uh, the SAS does, the student union does as well. So I really appreciate you both coming in today and also your incredible leadership in our university. Thank you so much. And that's it for us. So if you have questions about today's episode and would like links to the resources we've mentioned or have ideas for a future episode, you know, do feel free to reach out to me, your host, Victoria Surtees at ufv.ca. That's Surtees, S-U-R-T-E-E-S. And please, if you found this show interesting, do tell a friend.
Let's learn differently together. Thanks, and until next time. ICTA is hosted by UFE's Teaching and Learning Center and sponsored by UFE International. Music by Saint Soldier. No matter how long it takes us, no matter how much this world breaks us, may we live here in peace, live here as one from Bolivia to Greece, from India to Canada and everywhere between. Namaste to everyone I see. Namaste, I recognize that it's one. Namaste, and the suffering is done. Namaste, 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 Namaste,